Choo-choo pitch on the way. Cabrera takes strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. And the celebration begins as the Giants mob the mound. Cabrera strikes out, lucky to end it. Welcome to the Exit Velocity Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. As always, I'm here with Jordan. How are we doing this evening? Pretty good, man. Uh, trying to resist the urge to play more show due to the fact that I continue to lose in our Dynasty League, but it has been a good time, um, but it sure hasn't replaced uh, the Major League Baseball season. Yeah, it's been a struggle. God, it's hard to get used to, but that league we started is pretty fun. We even got Ben Verlander, Justin's little brother, in it and a bunch of fantasy baseball guys, so it's been competitive so far. But this evening, we have Kevin Wise on with the Locked On Rays podcast. How are we doing? Doing very well. Just um, continuing to live the quarantine life that I'm sure most of America is right now. I actually got out and played some golf today. They consider that an essential recreational activity. I don't know how, but hey, if, I'm, if, it's, if it's allowed, I'm doing it, and I was able to enjoy the Tampa Bay sunshine today. And, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping all this stuff ends within the next month or so, so we can actually get back to real live baseball and, and real live sporting events, man. That just makes me reminisce being back in Florida. I bet that was a blast. Yeah. With that beautiful weather and all that. Uh, so tell us how you got started with the lock on rays and what you do for a living down there. Yeah, it's I'm actually uh, full time a journalist in uh, the the county that's just north of Hillsborough County, which is where the city of Tampa is. Um, I work for a newspaper up in Pasco County, um, so really cover all the east side of that county and do um, a lot of municipal, city council, government coverage, education. Really, a general assignment reporter and also. Um, dabble in sports as well. So I cover a lot of the high school sports and um, some of the college teams up there like uh, Pasco Hernando State College and St. Leo University. Actually, some mm-hmm. a couple of uh, pretty much every year, a, a player or two gets drafted out of St. Leo University. Um, but that's my full-time job. And then on the side, of course, I uh, host or co-host uh, the Locked on Race podcast with Ulysses Sambrano, who we've been friends since uh, freshman year of college at the University of South Florida. Um, He was actually kind of grew up in the Tampa Bay area after moving from Venezuela. I came from the Midwest to to Tampa and USF, and we kind of connected over baseball, and uh, the rest is history. But yeah, we've been hosting the the Locked on Rays podcast for about the past year. Uh, I've got a background in in radio and broadcasting, and um, I, I basically sent over to the decision makers there and they were looking for a raise podcast and we i, I lived in the Tampa bay area and, and knew a little bit about the race so it kind of worked out my co-host ulysses he's he's a huge raise fan die hard through and through and we kind of equal each other out a little bit i sort of try to bring a little bit of a um kind of level-headed journalistic vibe to the show sometimes uh and then he can kind of you know, he's, he's a passionate fan. So he brings that side to it. So I think it makes for, uh, an entertaining show sometimes. And, and right now with no baseball going on, we're trying to find some creative ways to, uh, create content. And, and that's been fun so far too. So coming up this June, it'll, it'll actually be our, uh, one year anniversary. 
Nice, nice. That's good to hear. So digging right into it, because we, like Jordan said, we lived in Orlando for a couple of years. We went to a ton of Rays games in the Tropicana. The Rays, I mean, I like to follow them because they're that team that puts together a bunch of random guys, make a winning ball club. They beat the Yankees now and then. And I think they're a playoff team again this year. What are your uh, opinions, Kevin? And then we'll go on to Jordan. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think they're absolutely a playoff team. In fact, I would, assuming on paper that everybody stays mostly healthy and um, there's no, I mean, assuming a season actually gets played this year, I think this could be the best raised team that's ever been put together. Now, does that mean they're going to make it to the World Series like the team did in 2008? Not necessarily, but I think... As far as being a team that's balanced offensively, defensively, the pitching staff and the depth, I think the depth is about as strong as could be uh, ever in in Rays history. Um, I mean, last year, it got a little bit thin at times when injuries just piled up and piled up. But now with the Rays making all sorts of trades, a couple of shrewd free agent signing moves, and um, I mean, the, the, the 40 man, I, I would not be really, I would not be like upset if they had to go and dive deep into the 40 man um, due to injuries or whatnot to, to bring up players because they, they're pretty well set um, all across the diamond. If, if somebody goes down or somebody's not playing up to potential um, that this team can weather the storm. Whether it's uh, an 80 game season, 100 game se- season, 162 game season, um, I really like what's what's been compiled from this group. And it's interesting because the Rays lost a ton of executives. I, I shouldn't say a ton, but several top level executives um, from other teams just poaching them. We know the Red Sox took Heim Bloom, uh, the Astros took James Click, and that's kind of forced a little bit of a, a change with the front office, though the one constant has been general manager Eric Neander and whoever he has been working with now and in some of the promotions uh, promotions inside, they've really, really done a terrific job. And, and I think this team, I mean, we know about the Yankees. Uh, I, I think the Red Sox are going to take a hit this year. I think the Blue Jays will actually be a pretty decent team and could be a 500 team. Uh, and then the Orioles are going to be terrible as usual this year. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rays. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at at least 95 wins. If there was a 162-game season, I would say at least 95 wins, if not more, um, from the group. Again, and that's just on paper from if you if you go to MLB.com slash Rays and look at what they've got, I think it's a pretty impressive group. Yeah, I know Jordan, too, one of his favorite guys on that team, Brandon Lowe at second base there. Jordan, what do you think this team's going to put together, how the bullpen is, the pitching staff? Uh, yeah, Kevin, I like uh, what you had to say about the team from top to bottom, honestly, even when it comes to the batting order or it's the rotation or even the bullpen stacked. I mean – all the depth necessary to compete. And quite honestly, I would love to see them uh, surpass the Yankees and finish first. But again, with injuries, if everyone can, everyone can stay healthy, that would be probably the biggest concern there. Um, but I could, I have them actually uh, finishing second in the division and taking the wild card. Uh, but as you said, with the Red Sox struggling with their rotation, I feel like they're probably going to be quite uh, – dissatisfying, I guess you would say, in 2020 if we do have that season. 
and what you said about the Blue Jays too, with how young they are and the new young nucleus that they do have, I feel like they do have uh, some of the most upside in that division. So, uh, biggest bright spot, as you said earlier, Brent Brandon Lau, love the guy batting leadoff as he's projected right now. Unsure of what's going to play out and how he will, um, where he'll bat in that lineup. But uh, yeah, he's been my most excited player in that lineup. So. Yeah, and a couple of Minnesota connections with the Rays, uh, Rocco Baldelli. I know he was with you guys a couple years ago. And Nick Anderson, actually, probably your best reliever in the bullpen. He actually went to high school in Brainerd, Minnesota, which is right down the road from me and Jordan. And then he went to St. Cloud State and then Mayville State, where my sister actually goes to college. So that's kind of fun to see. But, man, this starting rotation, too. I mean, when your fifth starter is Ryan Yarborough and the season he put together, that's not too bad. Oh, no, not at all. And and really the big key for them, of course, is being able to stay healthy because there was a point last year where the Rays literally had, it was Charlie Morton at his advanced age and Ryan Yarbrough. Those were the only two healthy starters like in the heat of the playoff race because um, Yanni Torinos was injured, Blake Snell was injured, and Tyler Glass now was injured. So, um, and they can even go further than that. I mean, we talk about the depth. They can, if they need to use Brennan McKay and kind of make him a, a sixth starter, that, that's certainly a possibility. They could even go to a guy like Trevor Richards is, is also another possibility. There's There's been a lot of talk about Brent Honeywell, who I know has been injured two consecutive seasons, coming off Tommy John surgery, but he's he's been one of the Rays' top prospects for the last five years, and, and at some point he's got to kind of take that net, next step forward so he could maybe transition to a long relief role. And they got a lot of guys who can kind of throw in three, four innings if needed, uh, Jalen Biggs is a guy, uh, Andrew Kittred. So I think, you know, starting pitching wise, I mean, if you look at one through five, they're probably top three, top five in baseball. And then mm-hmm. if one or two of those guys go, goes down for, for some period of time, they should be able to weather that storm. I think the big thing was Brennan McKay, who of course has been a top prospect the past couple of years after, um, being drafted out of Louisville and, and has been kind of hyped as the, the next, uh, two-way star. I, I still think he's he's just going to end up being mostly a, a pitcher at this point, but he was able to get his feet wet last year. Uh, he he started off just amazing. I think he he pretty much had a uh, uh, he was on his way to to throwing a no hitter in his first start. I think um, you know sometime in the summer. I can't remember if it was June or July, but um, last season and uh, then he had a couple bad starts. There were, there was a start there against the White Sox where he gave up six earned runs and a couple home runs. And, um, you know, I think getting his feet wet and, and kind of understanding, because he was a guy that had never failed ever at baseball, like all through, mm-hmm. all through high school, all through college, um, all through the minor leagues, he never really had any sort of slip up. Like his ERA was pretty much always under three. He was always, I mean, the numbers were always fantastic. And then he gets to the majors and it's a little bit of a reality check. And now that, he's had all this time and now extra time to reflect on that and, and kind of find out, okay, what he needs to do um, to be a, uh, I don't think he's ever necessarily going to be an ACE a Blake Snell or, or a Charlie Morton, but I think he could definitely be a, a number three, really, really good number four starter uh, on a really good team like the Rays. And I think really for him, the big thing was he's so good at, commanding and controlling his pitches like 
opposing hitters always know that he's going to go, he's going to throw a strike no matter what. So I think being able to mix it up and, and deliberately throwing a ball every now and again, and, and maybe just trying to find a way his, I guess really one of his big issues or one of the big knocks on him is he doesn't have necessarily a true out pitch. So maybe if, if he's worked on his off speed a little bit, I mean, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what we see from him this year, but I think a guy that had never failed and he finally experienced some, little bit of level of failure and he can kind of go back to to the drawing board and, and see what he needs to improve on is going to be huge and and i think that the rays wouldn't i mean in a pinch if they okay if he has to be our number five because somebody goes down and gets injured that's fine we we can live with it because he's he's gotten his his feet wet a little bit and he's had some success had a little bit of failure too and really i mean at the end of the day the rays are, are very well set up not just the starting pitching staff, but I mean, you look at the bullpen too. You mentioned, you mentioned Nick Anderson and he has been, I mean, he might be the best secret in baseball or the best secret, uh, yeah. best secret reliever in baseball. Because uh, when the Rays acquired him at the trade deadline last year from the Marlins, there, there were a lot of people like, wait, who is this Nick Anderson guy? Well, I mean, you had never watched him because he was on the Marlins first of all, but he's got one of the best fastballs in baseball. Then you, you throw the breaking ball off that and he's had some of the best. I mean, the, the strikeout numbers are out of this world. And I think he, he's probably going to be the closer this year. I know the Rays aren't really a team that likes to designate roles for their relievers. But if there's anything to being as sure of a thing as a closer, Nick Anderson's probably going to be that guy, especially after they traded Emilio Pagan. Um, and not just him, but but several others as well. I mean, the, the pitching staff is, you know, bullpen rotation it's it's all very strong and the same goes goes for the lineup too and and the position players i mean you guys mentioned brandon lau that's another guy that um the race fans only saw 80 games from him last year so so imagine what you could see from him uh with a full season or or 140 games or or whatever a full season is going to be now if he i mean a big thing for him is going to be cutting down on the strikeouts because the strikeout rate is is absurd i think he strikes out like 35 37 percent of the time but but the power doesn't lie and, and he's really one of those kind of true all-around baseball players he, he's a solid defender he runs the bases well uh for a guy that may be 510 and maybe 170 pounds soaking wet he he might be one of the best power hitters on the rays roster and and he packs a punch in his small frame. So they've got, I mean, it's so funny because this race team, like every guy has a story and every guy has something unique about him. I'm sure you guys are well aware of Nick Anderson's past uh, and, and some of the trials and tribulations that he had to go through too. But like everybody on this race yeah. team has a story, which makes them so much more fun to root for uh, as well. So, I mean, this is a very long-winded answer to your guys's point and, and question there, but yes, the the starting pitching um, is I think should be in very good shape. Now there are there are concerns about uh, really I think probably the biggest concern is Tyler Glass. Now can he stay healthy for a full season? Because he only he only made about a dozen starts last year and, and threw sixty innings pitched. Um, can he? can he stay healthy for a full year and can he take care of the pitch tipping issues that plagued him or, or were uh, kind of made aware of on one of the biggest stages in the uh, AL division series against the Houston Astros. So 
I mean, there are still question marks. As good as the pitching staff is on paper, there are still question marks with like, can can Glass now stay healthy? Uh, can Blake Snell stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Can he can he get somewhere close to his 2018 form because he did uh, struggle last season? Charlie Morton, it, when when is what year is it going to be where Charlie Morton uh, isn't Charlie Morton? anymore he isn't charlie morton of the houston astros or his first season with the Rays. at some point father time is going to come calling is that going to be this year is it going to be if he decides to execute his player option and play for the rays next year as well i mean there are still there are some like little questions there but i think i mean i would take this rotation and put it up against just about any other in the american league i mean i, I would just put it like that basically yeah, I mean, Charlie Morton could retire tomorrow, too, because I know he was looking at retirement. But going through even, like, the bats, the outfield might be one of the top defensive outfields in the MLB. Hunter Renfro has an arm, and that is a guy that I'm looking at. I think he could have 40 home run pop. Austin Meadows, you guys got in that steal of a deal. Uh, starting with you, Jordan, who is your breakout guy on the Rays that you're keeping an eye on? I know Nate Lowell, too, is sitting uh, – down there. I don't know if he's called or he's on their roster or if he'll be on the bench, but we'll see what happens. Who's I would say as Jordan? far as upside, uh, Renfro with what he did in his uh, platoon time in San Diego, I feel like he's got pop, and I feel like that's one of those guys that, again, the Rays found and should have great success with the Rays organization. So if there's a guy like since he's new to the team – if there's upside, I feel like that's the one guy that I'm very optimistic about that could have great success uh, whenever we do see baseball here in the future. So that's probably my guy. Otherwise, Willie Adamas, I mean, I've we've been excited about the guy in the past, and he sh- showed glimpses late in the season last year. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he's done the offseason and what can transpire going into 2020. Yeah, I know, too, uh, Kevin, you probably saw it firsthand since you are in Tampa, but on the Twitter of Tam- the Tampa Bay Rays, Yoshi was welcome pretty nice. And right now they on roster resource, they got him batting in the six hole. dh who's your breakout guy? Yeah, it's funny. I think Jordan read my mind because I I had Willie Adamas and Hunter Renfro. Um, going through each of those guys, Hunter Renfro, I think – I mean, he had such a great first half last year with the San Diego Padres, and then he had the foot and ankle issues that he was just never able to get back to full strength. So I think he says he's fully healthy. He says he's he's good to go. And in spring training, I mean, when he makes good contact and he hits the ball, it's, it just sounds different than just about any player. It's just louder than just about any player. And you can tell he just has mm-hmm. – natural easy power not to mention for a guy who i mean is pretty big at about 6'1 6'2 230 pounds he moves pretty well in the corner outfield and has a heck of a, an arm as well so just as a from a pure player perspective i think he's really going to help the rays um because they the the rays did acquire him they gave up tommy fam to get him and i know tommy fam was sort of a fan favorite and uh was one of the mm-hmm. highest war players on the rays but defensively he just was clunky and and just wasn't always there he also made some boneheaded mistakes at times especially on the base pass but i think hunter renfro uh i think i mean definitely the rays are a team that puts their players to be in the best 
position possible to succeed. So I think he will be sort of a platoon candidate there for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him, I mean, exploit 30 home run power. And honestly, I, I wouldn't, I mean, 250, 260 average, I think that's that's not out of the question when you take into account that like in the second half of the season with the San Diego Padres, he batted like 160 or something crazy. I mean, it was well below the Mendoza line. And I just don't see the way I put it like this is the Rays wouldn't trade for that guy if they didn't think he has some potential and, and think that, I mean, that, that second half with the Padres isn't his real, that's not the real Renfro. I think he only had like six home runs or something like that too, as opposed to the first half of the season when he had like at least it was more than 20. I'm pretty sure. I think I want to say it was 27. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but I mean, he was, it was like night and day between the first and second half. And it was because of injury issues that just plagued him through the second half of the year. So I think Renfro definitely is a guy that, um, that is going to really, I think, surprise some folks. And I think when we look at that trade, maybe three, five years from now and, and the Rays see, okay, this Xavier Edwards kid could be pretty good. Uh, Hunter Renfro worked out and, they just uh the they got the player to be named later Esteban Kuros who is I mean could be a depth piece down the line uh, as an infielder but yeah Renfro a guy I like and also uh, yeah Willie Adamas I think that this could be the year if there is a season played that he he gets more looks um, from the national media and from national baseball folks as far as what he can do defensively because down the stretch second half of the season. He was playing at a gold glove clip and you can look at all the advanced metrics and and all the highlights. And we all know about the famous relay throw between uh, Kevin Kiermaier, Adamas and uh, Travis Darno that I believe throughout Jose Altuve at the plate in one of the ALDS games, but just, he makes the spectacular plays. He's starting to make the routine plays because there was a big issue with him early on in the season in 2019, where he just like, for whatever reason he had the yips and he couldn't get the ball to first or he couldn't get the ball to first accurately. And he cleaned that up. He's, he's one of, they say one of the hardest workers in the clubhouse. He's always, he's always working on infield drills with um, Rodney Linares, one of the assistant coaches, but, and, and also hitting wise, I think you're going to see, I mean, he's a, he's a shortstop who hit 20 plus home runs last year. And he had some of the longest home runs, uh, for the rate, like if you look at some of the, the like compilations of uh, top home runs, longest home runs from the Rays from 2019, he has a handful of those. I mean, he, he can hit it 460, 470 feet. Um, so th- there's no question about his power. Um, now, there are some issues maybe about his on-base percentage and and strikeout rate and those sorts of things. There's also kind of this weird, odd thing that happens when he plays at the trop. He just hits – he hits terribly can't hit for whatever reason and there's some i kind of have a theory on that that willie adamas is a guy that he loves the big stage he loves when cameras are on him and there's people watching and of course as we know tropicana field oftentimes does not have a lot of fans and there's not much of an atmosphere going on there but as you saw in the playoffs he really shined and really kind of came to the forefront so i think that i i don't know if he's ever going to be able to be that guy that even when there's only like 8,000 fans 
at the trop that he'll be able to turn it on and, and show his true colors and, and be like, okay, he really is this good of a player, but he's a guy that, again, I wouldn't be surprised. I think defensively, I mean, before his career is over, I think he's going to win at least one gold glove, if not a couple gold gloves. And then I think again, over 162 game season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him exhibit 25, home run potential and, and at least in, in 800 OPS guys. So th- those are two guys definitely that I, I think could, could take a step forward. And, and we also have to remember that Willie Adamas too is uh, I think he was 24 most of last year. So there's still a lot of guys that are, that are still p- playing minor league ball at 24 and, and still haven't gotten to the show. So he's still a young kid and people have to, rem- to remember that, um, as he's, he's still kind of developing and, and learning in the major leagues. Yeah, I think it's got to the point in the sports world and even in the fantasy baseball world, people don't question the Rays anymore. What they do, people see as a benefit. I mean, going even to the Austin Meadows and Chris Archer swap, I mean, right now that looks like, oh, that might be the biggest steal in baseball trading history, getting Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now for Chris Archer and pretty much no one. And then you also got Shane Baz in the deal. So that things like that, people just don't. Yeah. It's, it's really anymore. crazy because um, like at the time there, again, people were like, wait, why are you trading Chris Archer? And then now we see a year later, like the Rays just have this, like they can, they can look and see things like they're thinking on a completely different level than us. They're thinking a hundred steps ahead of us. And it's funny because that, yeah, that could go down as one of the biggest steals of all time in baseball history. It's funny because um, Ulysses and I know a guy who, I mean, we're not going to reveal his name or anything, but he works in the Padre, uh, Pad- Padres, pa- too many trades to, to keep track of, Pirates organization. And uh, he basically said, yeah, that was the deal that got Neil Huntington fired, the general manager at the time, and, got, and really blew up everything with the pirates. Cause Chris Archer was atrocious last year mm-hmm. with the Pirates. I feel, was he just like pitching batting practice the whole year? I get, I get that was like the impression. And I think there was a game where he gave up like five or six home runs. I want to say it was like against the Atlanta Braves or something. It was crazy, but Austin Meadows who legitimately, uh, I mean, he's, he's the next guy that the Rays are going to try to lock up for a long-term contract extension. They're, they're working on it right now. He's a guy that, um, Every year, I think for the foreseeable future, you could you could expect 30 home runs and 90 RBIs and, and a 280, 290 average. Um, his defense, that's kind of been his little sort of weak spot. He's not um, – he's a little bit slow to react uh, when he plays right field, but that's something that I, I would still – I mean, every day and twice on Sunday, I'll take a guy that can – give me 30 home runs and have a 900 OPS. If I, if he's a little bit slow to get to the baseball in the outfield, he can work on that. He's, he's a pure athlete. So we know what Austin Meadows can do. Tyler glass. Now, another guy that the Rays. I mean, whatever the, the pirates just have this weird thing going on in their organization where they, they have their pitcher. They want all their pitchers to be sinker ballers. And it's why so many pirates pitchers end up having success elsewhere like uh, like the Garrett Coles and the Ryan Presleys and uh, the Charlie Mortons, for example, and Tyler Glass now. Now, um, the Rays were like, hey, you need to throw your fastball 
up in the zone more. Don't don't throw it down in the zone. And it's turned out to work. Use your breaking ball more. And that's something that's worked for him. Um, he's also working on a third pitch. So, I mean, so those are the two guys. And I mean, Shane Boz could, I mean, that's a guy that a lot of people, like he was like the throwing guy of that deal. And he's already worked his way up to being mm-hmm. one of the top prospects in the Rays organizations, uh, Rays organization and, and a guy who legitimately can, can clock three digits and a guy that I think um, in the next couple of years are going to have raised fans even more so excited. So it's pretty crazy what they've been able to do. And if there's anything that's like worrisome about that deal, uh, the Archer deal is like, you wonder if it now makes other teams and other organizations and other front offices cautious of trading with the Rays because they've done such a good job at one upping these teams as of late where it's like, no, okay. Why are you asking for this guy? Why are you asking for Austin Meadows? Why do you, why are you asking for Tyler glass now? Do you know something that we don't know? What are you going to try to do to make them such better players? And I, I mean, Austin Meadows was always kind of a good prospect and everything like that, but I don't know if people expected him to have the year that he had with the Rays. And I know he's had kind of a pretty lengthy uh, injury history in his time with the pirates. Like every year he had some kind of like, hamstring or hip or or oblique injury or something going on but yeah it's just that that's like the deal like that that's always the callback like oh why are the rays good at what they do yeah let's look at that chris archer deal so it's it's pretty and nobody's missing chris archer right now nobody that is that is that follows the rays are like nope yeah you can have him we wouldn't even have a top we wouldn't even have a spot for him in the rotation now we're we're all good Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I know Jordan went down to spring training. He actually watched the Rays versus the Twins. So, Jordan, my question to you is, at that game or with the number one farm system in baseball, that being the Tampa Bay Rays, who's the guy besides Wander Franco, or you could even talk about him, don't matter, that you have an eye on, that you think will be exciting and work their way up to being I'd say a great Vidal player Buran in the game? With his 2020 potential, uh, he was actually signing a lot of autographs to – with the fans, which was awesome to see, but he did not sign as many autographs as Yandy Diaz. That guy was there for like a 45 minutes, given all the fans they needed. So um, as far as what Bruhan has, I feel like he has the tools and mechanics to be that next level talent to uh, step up um, being how I feel like with his speed, even with his fielding, I feel like he's got quite the upside to succeed. So I feel like I'd be probably most excited about him. Yeah, I mean, the Rays have pretty much – I mean, they have a shortstop after shortstop after shortstop. I'll be curious to see what they do and where they move these guys around. But the other trade that I was curious about that actually happened this past year is that Matthew Libator trade. I know his brother, I think, also played with the Rays. I'm not for sure on that. But they traded him to the Cardinals for Jose Martinez. I just want to get your thoughts, Kevin, on that trade. Because I saw Libator firsthand in Dayton. He played for Bowling Green the class a organization for you guys. And he looked, I mean, he has 96, 97 basketball. Yeah. That's a great great question because that's really almost like a backwards trade for the Rays because usually they're giving up major leaguers for top prospects like Matt Liebertor, not the other way around. So this was definitely a move to get better and get better offensively for 2020. So first of all, I mean, Jose Martinez we know he has no glove at all. And he, I mean, he, he's basically left to die in the yeah. national league. 
So coming over to the Rays and what they do with their platoon splits and everything like that, okay, we're just going to have Jose Martinez DH and uh, play against left-handed pitchers. Um, so that works out there. The, the second part of the deal, and this is really, I think people don't realize that it's not necessarily all about Jose Martinez. Really, probably the bigger part of the deal was getting Randy Arozarena, the center fielder, and could quite possibly mm. be the center fielder of the future for the Rays for a couple reasons. I mean, one, uh, look at what he did in AAA last year. Look at what he did in spring training so far this year. I mean, you, you talk about, I mean, you mentioned the word toolsy. This guy is toolsy for sure. I mean, he's got, he's got uh, speed. He's got power. Uh, he's got, we've, we've seen his fielding ability. He can also play corner outfield spots as well. But, you know, every year just about, Kevin Kiermeyer gets injured. Uh, something, I mean, I, I can pretty much bank on it that, yes, uh, in 2020, mm -hmm. And in 2021, Kevin Kiermaier will miss 30 to 40 games. And that's a byproduct of him getting a little bit older now. He's he's crossed the 30 mark, um, and he, he just goes all out. And he's, yes, one of the best defensive players in all of baseball, and it's been that way for several years. But because he literally puts everything on the line and goes all out every single game he plays – He's more adverse to getting injured, and that's what happened. So, in last year, they didn't really have a true backup for him. They had Guillermo Heredia, who ironically is now with the Pirates, mm -hmm. but he's, I mean, he just didn't, he's replacement level player, essentially. So, they wanted to upgrade the backup center field spot and not just have uh, a backup option but have a center fielder of the future. And that's where Rosarina comes in because Kevin Kiermeyer is going to be, uh, I believe he's going to be making $10 million this year and he's going to be making more next year and more the year after that. And the Rays usually don't like to pay guys uh, more than $10 million. You, get, you really have to be a rare breed. And yes, Kevin Kiermeyer is a rare breed defensively. Offensively, not so much. Um, so I think what's going to happen is at some point, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen this year, but maybe in this coming off season or sometime next year that they're going to try to trade Kevin Kiermeyer and try to trade that salary and make way for Randy Arozarena to be the center fielder of the future for the Rays. And they also, I mean, as kind of a, a little bit of another sign of that, they also made that trade with the Padres, a second trade, not the Tommy Pham trade, but the Emilio Pagan trade, trading Emilio Pagan, the Rays closer last year, to get Manny Margot, another center fielder, and another guy who can play in the corner outfield too. But they, mm -hmm. they've really started to load up on, okay, we know that Kevin Kiermaier is going to get expensive. He is expensive. He's going to get more expensive. And he's he gets injured every year. So we, we've got to have another option there. So they're thinking a little bit ahead with that, with Randy Rosarena, who I think, I mean, I've seen him, um, and I know it's small sample size in spring training, but even he did some, even in his very limited time with the Cardinals last year, um, he's been impressed. I think there was a game where, like, uh, in a Cardinals uniform, he hit a home run, he had a stolen base or two stolen bases, and he, like, he had an uh, outfield assist. He threw out a base runner. So he, like, did three, like, amazing things in one game, and this is still a young kid, 
uh, that's still trying to find his way and everything. But that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big thing right there. And I think that the Rays knowing that, okay, we got Jose Martinez and we also got this guy who could be really, really, really good. And we're going to have control over, uh, up the middle that that's pretty special right there. And also like, yeah, you, you part with the Matt Lieber tour. He's still kind of several years away. The Rays are sort of in their win now mode. I mean, this is, this is sort of a year where, um, again, I don't necessarily think they're going to win the division, but I think wild card, I'm thinking wild card world series. Okay. Get in via the wild card and then get to the world series somewhere or another. We saw the nationals do it and it worked out for them. But, um, the other thing too, with Lieber tour is like, I think, he'll end up working out for the Cardinals and everything. And he'll end up being a very, very good pitcher. But the Rays also, I mean, we've talked about Shane Boz already. There's a lot of other guys in the, I mean, the Rays are stacked with pitchers in their, their minor league system. I mean, it's, you, you can start with Brendan McKay and you can go down to, uh, you can go down to Shane Boz. You can go down to Brent Honeywell. You can go down to Joe Ryan, who was the minor league uh, pitcher of the year for the Rays. Like they've got, They've got a lot of arms. They drafted a lot of arms last year. And I think that it was like, okay, we can part with one arm because we've got like 15 others in our top 30 here. So I think it just worked out where um, both both sides had their yeah. needs. I mean, the Cardinals, they had a glut of outfielders. They really didn't have a spot uh, for Rosarena. They had a lot of other guys that they could kind of fill in at that point. Um, Jose Martinez, he didn't have a position. And they wanted to upgrade their uh, their minor league farm system, uh, and they, they were able to do that. And the Rays were able to get better now, and also get better for the future. So I think I think that's going to be a trade that works out for both parties. Um, but I w- also would not be surprised to see the Rays kind of get the last lap, so to speak, from that deal too, because they've got just so many other arms in their minor league system. Yeah, and uh, I was just thinking too with like Kevin, he's talking about Kevin Kiermaier. He is our Byron Buxton as a Twins fan. Hurt every year, can't really hit the ball, but is probably the best defensive outfielders in the game. But even looking outside the top 10 for the Rays organization, it's pretty deep. But one guy, obviously, he's been number one now for two years in a row. And I'm almost debating not even buying a plane ticket when he does get called up and going to Tampa to see that game he starts in. Wander Franco. Uh, when do you think he gets the call? Is it going to, if they play this year, it probably won't be because William yeah, Adams it, is still there. That's a conversation we've had uh, on the Locked on Rays podcast pretty regularly because ev- that's the thing, like prospect, everybody loves prospects. Everybody wants to know who's next, who's the next guy. And of course, there's been a lot of ink written about Wander Franco. I don't think it's going to be this year, um, even if there is a season played, even if there is a full season played. Um, for one, we know that the 40 man September rosters have now been whittled down to 28. So, and he's not even on the 40 man doesn't have to be on the 40 man. So the Rays aren't going to start his arbitration clock sooner than they have to, especially when they have Willie Adamas and especially when they have so many other middle infielders. I mean, people don't talk about, we talk about Brandon Lau and, and, Willie Adamas, but there's also Joey Wendell and Daniel Robertson and a lot of other guys that can kind of fill in the middle infield. Um, so I don't think this year he's going to get the call, but I could definitely see maybe towards the end of 2021 because the Rays are just an organization. They don't want to rush prospects. This is a guy that just turned 19 years old, hasn't played in double A yet. And as talented as he is, they do want to kind of take their time and make sure that I think there's no doubt that he is 
physically ready and that he's got the tools to be successful. Um, but I think it's, it's more about the mental side of the game in the maturity level. And they say he's kind of wise beyond his years. I mean, every, he, he kind of walks in and has this, his, this presence and aura about him. But at the end of the day, you don't necessarily want to, do, do you really want to have to call up a 19 year old to the majors? Um, if, if it's not really necessary, they want to make sure these guys, their, their mental maturity and emotional maturity, um, kind of is in line with their physical maturity too. So I think it's something where they don't want to rush him. And, and cause again, it's, yeah. it's such a thing where this is another guy that at every level of baseball, he has never, ever failed. But when you get to the bank, how is he going to adjust when he does experience failure? Sometimes, I mean, can, can a 19 year old or a 20 year old recover after yeah. that? Maybe, maybe they can, but there's so many things that, I mean, if there's an organization that, you could have the best prospect in the world, which Wander Franco is, but the Rays aren't going to rush it if they don't have to. But you brought up an interesting point about Willie Adamas because that's going to be kind of the next move too, is uh, if they can't get a long-term extension mm -hmm. or something worked out with Adamas, do they think about trading him so they can then put Wander Franco in the shortstop spot there? Um, because, and you meant there, there's Vidal Brujan. There's a lot of other middle infielders that are going to be on the come up within the next couple of years as well. There's even, you know, Lucius Fox. And, um, at some point Xavier Edwards and Greg Jones, who is Greg Jones, who was drafted out of UNC William Wilmington last year, shortstop guy who has a lot of upside as well. I mean, the, I, I talk about the, the, the pitching that is, uh, very, <laughs> uh, very strong in the minor league, uh, system for the race. So is shortstop second base types. Um, so you could see a couple of things. You could see the Rays maybe ship off Willie Adamas, get more prospects, and then put Wander Franco into the shortstop spot in 2021, 2022. Or you might see something where Wander Franco, maybe he becomes a, a third baseman because that's one thing the Rays uh, haven't really had since uh, they traded away Evan Longoria is a third baseman of the future. They've kind of moved guys in and out. And, and I'm not sure if they'll ever kind of come to a long-term agreement with Yandy Diaz or if they would really want to. So that might be something to see where you could have Wander Franco at third base and, and Willie Adamas at shortstop and Brandon Lau at second base. And you got a pretty, pretty good infield set up for yourself there. So it's going to be very, there's a lot of moving parts with that, but I mean, to answer your question, no, I don't think Wander Franco is going to see the call this year in 2020 maybe towards the end of 2021, definitely a possibility. Um, but the, the Rays are, are known for certain things. And, and one of those things is not rushing players up to the big leagues as, as talented as they are. I mean, they, I mean, Randy Rosarena, for example, was hitting the cover off the ball and doing just about everything right. Um, and he was one of the first guys that was trimmed down and, and all but cut from, uh, from the big league roster. So the Rays are getting to their, I guess, unofficial 28 man roster as of right now. So, I mean, th th they're going to take their time with them uh, it, with, with Wander Franco, especially. And it's going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I can't wait to see him get the call to the big leagues, but we also have to be patient as well. I I'll say this, there's probably a lot of other guys, uh, you know, in the minor league system that'll, that'll get that call before he does. And we also have to wait and see until he gets added to the 40 man roster. So until that happens, it's not really um, uh, a 
point worth discussing if you're a Rays fan and, and talk. Everybody wants to talk about, but we also have to kind of remember, hey, we got a pretty darn good shortstop right now. Let let's let this guy develop a little bit, see what he can do, and then and then get excited for for Wander Franco two, three, four years from yeah. now. Yeah, I like that take on the maturity level because a lot of teams, I feel, force their players up at a young age. And even a guy like we have on the Twins, Byron Buxton, when he was in the minors, he's he was pretty much Wander Franco. I mean, he was compared to Mike Trout, five-tool stud. Uh, but, we, I mean, we'll see what happens with Franco. Jordan, when, when do you think Franco gets the call? The uh, most likely 2022, I would say that's my guess. Just based on where they're at right now with Adamas, how he pans out and whatever transpires with the organization, because I'm sure additional moves are going to be made. They are the Rays. They make moves. They end up making a lot of positive moves for the, to benefit their future, and I feel like they're just going to make the right mm-hmm. path for him. And uh, I feel like when he gets the call, it'll be the right time, and he will rise to the occasion and should have an easy stride right away. So I'm excited for that, much like everybody else in baseball, though. Yeah, it'll be a fun time. Uh, that's all I have for the race tonight, Kevin. Do you have anything else that the listeners? Yeah, I, w- I would want just to know note this also on Bronco is. I mean, one interesting race. thing that's gonna, I'm sure, be thrown out there. If there, if there was a reason for the Rays to call up Franco, I guess earlier than than needed would be maybe the attendance bump. Maybe trying to get like sell some extra jerseys and and kind of generate some interest from there, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. But of course, with the Rays, it's like even after after a little while, like fans get bored and they move on to something. Okay, now I'm ready to go to the beach. I'm ready to play golf. I'm ready to yeah. I'll I'll just watch the game from the comfort of my. I've seen Wander Franco in person once or twice. All right, that's all I need, and I'll move on from there. But I think the Rays think deeper than that than maybe some other organizations that are like, no, we've got this guy that's being talked about incessantly let's call him up and let's get him up here and, and let's get him ready to go. And um, I just don't think the, the Rays are going to do that. So, yeah, I would say I, I agree that, you know, probably 2022 is probably what we're looking at. So um, if fans can just kind of, Hey, if, if you really want to like enjoy and, and savor Wander Franco, like subscribe to MLB, MILB.TV or whatever the website, is. watch his minor league games, just watch some of those and, and kind of get your Wander Franco fix there until he's uh, a little bit more mature, if you will. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you, Kevin, for giving us all this insight and joining us this evening. Yeah, absolutely. How so can we, people we're follow on, you um, in the Lockdown Race much podcast? Any platform that hosts podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcast, Himalaya. Um, just type in Locked on Rays, L O C K E D O N. Rays, R-A-Y-S. Um, they can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Rays. Um, and that, that's really the best way to interact and, and follow us. You can also, like if you're a Rays fan and, and or really just a baseball fan too, and, and want to get it, we do a lot of mailbags. So um, they're welcome to send us questions or comments um, on, on really, I mean, we'll talk about anything. It doesn't even have to be baseball related, uh, locked on raise at gmail.com. They can also reach us, uh, there and, and we were, a, a follow back crew. So if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we will 
we pretty much guarantee that we will follow you back, follow you back on those platforms as well. We're pretty good about DMing and, and getting in touch and trying to interact with our listeners and followers as well. 